Hello and welcome to the second episode of the Autos and Airways podcast. I am your host, Alex Shum. Thank you all so much for tuning in. It really means a lot. So in today's episode, we're going to be talking about, uh, first of all, I have a car on cars bids that I'd like to talk about. We're going to be talking about uh, some some of the latest automotive news over the past week, including um, some stuff about Volvo and their uh, goal for sustainability. We also have some info on the new Ford Expedition that got a facelift. There's a new version of the Bronco coming out. We also have some information on the upcoming uh, Porsche 718 Boxster and Cayman and also the upcoming Porsche Macan. We also have some more stuff. Um, Honda Civic hatchback, and also the brand new Toyota Tundra was revealed this past week. That's a really big deal. And am I missing anything else? I don't think so. No, I'm not. Everything I want to talk about is right here. So without further ado, let's get into it. So the first thing I'd like to discuss is a car I chose on Cars and Bids. It is a 2011 Audi R8 V10 Spider, and the best part is it has the six-speed gated manual transmission. Um, that's the best way to do it. Now, for me, the R8 was and still is a very special car. I mean, that was that came out. That was like 07 when that came out. I was I was a kid, and it really it captivated me. It still is the first gen R8 is still one of my favorite cars of all time. I think, you know, it, 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 it truly was a halo car for Audi um, and it worked. Uh, an example of a halo car that did not work would be the current NSX or the new Acura or Honda, if you're in Europe or anywhere else, Acura here in the US, the new Acura NSX, which actually came out for 2017 model year. It's ending for 22. Uh, they're doing an NSX type S. Limited to 350 cars, gets a little bit more power, revised styling. That's, you know, it's about it. And it, they didn't sell. I think last year in Europe, they sold eight cars, eight in Europe. So that's an example of a halo car that just failed. Now, the R8 did not fail. It actually kind of turned Audi around. You know, for a while, Audi was not a true player uh, in the German luxury car scene. It was BMW and Mercedes that were at the top, and Audi was, you know, Audi was pretty far low. They, kind of, the best way I can describe it is Audi was kind of like, in a way, here in the U.S., like Buick. Luxury brand, but it's not really a luxury brand. Or, you know, or maybe kind of more like, maybe kind of how Acura is right now, a luxury brand that's nice, but it's not quite there yet. Um, and that changed in the early 2000s, the, when they redid the A8 in like 2002, 2003, that was like their first, like, wow, we, they're, they're really stepping up their game and it worked. And then the R8 came out and then the A5 came out, the B8, A4, all those cars came out around the same time and the R8 people were obsessed with the R8. So they came into the dealer and they were like, well, I want to get an R8. Well, sorry, Joe Schmo, you can't afford an R8, but look, I can get you into a brand new A5. I can get you into a brand new Q7, you know, and that's what it, it drew people to Audi. 
And now Audi is a top player in, you know, the luxury car scene. I mean, it, they really are. They are just, uh, they're up there with Mercedes and BMW. Now, granted here in the U.S., they don't sell as many cars as Mercedes and BMW. But the other thing with Audi, their customers are a lot younger on average than Mercedes and BMW as well. So that's another thing. So with that out of the way, let's get into this R8. So it's a 2011 R8 5.2 V10 Spider. Obviously, it's a 5.2 liter naturally aspirated V8. It's 525 horsepower and 391 pound-feet of torque, or you know, for my metric system friends, it's 580 newton meters torque. Of course, it has a six-speed gated manual. Um, I'm actually going to I'm gonna bring this up. So see everyone on YouTube when this comes out, you can see it. So it's this one here. It's Ibis white with the red enhanced leather interior. It's actually a very nice color combination. I do like a white over red. And the thing is, this R, it's just, it's it, the first gen R8 just had that classic look. The new one is great, but it's just not as special, in my opinion, as the old one. So it has the carbon Sigma package, which kind of gives you some carbon bits, you know, interior and exterior. Um, Let's actually take a look at the inside. The inside's actually really nice. I do like the red, the red seat. You know, I, I'm not a big fan of red interiors, but that one's nice because it's not super bright. It's not that bright. And I do like, it's kind of more of like a maroon or burgundy red, which is very nice. It has a 12 speaker, 465 watt Bang & Olufsen sound system. It has the Audi Navigation Plus. It also has a six disc CD changer. I know we joked about that in the last episode of that 911, but again, this is kind of a time when they were still, well, they were pretty much dead in the early 2010s, but you could still somewhat readily get them. Of course, it's got Audi's Quattro all-wheel drive, um, and it's just a great car. It, it really was a more, it was an affordable supercar that you could use every day. It really was, even though it was still technically a, uh, the time was the Lamborghini Gallardo platform, but it was a great car and a car that still remains very special to me because this car is a special place in my heart. So, yeah, that's the uh, car I chose for cars and bids. 2011 Audi R8 5.2 uh, Spider. So, let's see. How do I, here we go. Step here. So the next thing I'd like to talk about, Volvo. I don't know. I mean, for the past couple of years, I've lost a lot of respect uh, for Volvo. I don't like what they're doing. I don't like their whole like sustainability marketing ploy. Um, I do like some of their new products. I think they're like stuff like the, all their current, their current lineup of cars really are good. I think they look great. They have great interiors. They're very well equipped. They are, they're very competitive in the segment. Uh, Long-term reliability. We know those engines, their current crop of engines are absolute dog shit. They're really bad. And that's why here in the US, you can, you can literally get a 10-year, 1 million mile extended warranty on, on every Volvo. 
Uh, and if you plan on keeping a Volvo a long time, you better fucking get that. You better fucking get that. So, you know, we already know Volvo is committed to electric cars. Uh, and now they're saying they don't want any leather in cars by 2030. And I understand that, you know, animals really shouldn't be killed for, for just leather. You know, I personally think leather products should come from, it should be like a byproduct, you know, like, you know, for meat production, you know, just use the leather from that. So you don't, you aren't just wasting cows for one thing. Um, and I understand where they're coming from for that. I mean, yes, they are innocent animals and they are dying. And that's, that's not fun. It's not, it's, it's sad. It is sad. But kind of the thing that you just, for me, is just silly. You know, they're all, they are all about sustainability, like climate change, climate change. Oh God, climate change. And here's the thing. You're telling me that you, if you just make electric cars, that's going to have a significant impact on the world. One company. No, it's not. It's not going to have a significant impact on the world. The other thing is, you know, they have all these commercials now and they're like, Oh, we've always been about safety, but this, you know, you know, the safest thing in the world is the world. And it's just like, fuck off, fuck off. Just, just shut up. You're telling me you, a company that makes fucking dump trucks and semi trucks and excavators and diggers and bulldozers and all this shit is, is trying to save the world. Fuck off. Just I don't want to hear that bullshit anymore. It's just, it's just, it's bullshit. It's just total bullshit. Um, I'm kind of going on a rant there, but kind of going back to this, they want to be sustainable with interiors. And like I said, I, I understand. That. And so what they're going to be doing is they're going to be offering this material called Nordico. Uh, Nordico, it's made from recycled plastic bottles, you know, like, like this. But also uh, cork is another, um, ingredient for that nordico material and apparently it's supposed to be quite nice so we will see they also are still committed to using wool blend material but they will only get it from responsible sources so sources that you know are responsible toward the animals so i mean you know i don't think i don't think shearing a sheep is cruel um you're killing a sheep for wool then yeah that is quite cruel but you know again that's this isn't an animal rights podcast is a car podcast and i think volvo has completely lost it in the past few years about all of their it's i'll just end here with that i don't i don't and it's a shame because i do like Vol. i do really like a lot of all this stuff their infotainment systems suck I hate their infotainment systems. I do like their very simplistic, very Scandinavian designs. Uh, the Bowers and Wilkins audio systems that you can get in basically every Volvo part from like the upcoming C40 and the XC40. In my opinion, the best sound system I've ever heard in any car ever. The uh, Bowers and Wilkins sound systems, they are truly incredible. The sound setting for Gothenburg Concert Hall. I remember when the XC90 came out like five, six years ago, and they were like, oh, yeah, it's going to sound like Gothenburg Concert Hall inside the car. And I was like, well, yeah, it's bullshit. You can't make it sound like a concert hall inside the car. 
But then I heard it. I was like, oh, wow, this sounds really cool. Now, granted, I've never been to Gothenburg Concert Hall, but you have, when you put it in the concert hall setting, you get all this echo and reverb, and it just sounds completely different. And it, it the Bowers and Wilkins uh, sound systems in the Volvos is truly amazing. I absolutely love that. I mean, I would buy a Volvo just for the sound system. I really would. And it's a bargain. It's like 3200 bucks, which is a lot for a sound system. But when you're looking at like the high-end Bang & Olufsen and Audis, it's five grand. Uh, Bang & Olufsen, some Aston Martins is like eight grand. The high-end Burmester sound systems and Porsches are like six, seven grand too. So, I mean, at that price point, yeah, it's damn near worth it, I think. So, that's enough of Volvo now. Um, let's get into the all-new 2022 Toyota Tundra. That's interesting. So, current Tundra's been on sale since like, I want to say like 2000 six or 2007 it had a big facelift in like 2014 but yeah the um it it's it, it's old it's ancient it's a dinosaur and we have an all-new tundra um for all international viewers probably not very familiar with the tundra it's a full-size pickup truck it's built here in uh the u.s it's built in san antonio texas um it's mainly for the american market u.s canadian market it's a good truck. It's a Toyota. So, you know, it's, it'll last forever. Um, my cousin has one. It's a, it's a very solid truck. Now, interestingly, for 22, so completely redesigned, they dropped the iForce 5.7 liter V8 for what they call the new iForce engine, which is a 3.5 liter twin turbo V6. Makes 389 horsepower, 479 pound-feet of torque. Uh, for my metric system friends, that's 650 newton meters of torque. And they also have a new iForce Max powertrain, which is that same twin-turbo V6, but it's a hybrid uh, powertrain. So that it goes up from 389 horsepower to 437. Torque goes from 479 pound feet all the way up to 583 pound feet of torque. That's 790 newton meters of torque. It's a lot of torque. Uh, both are mated to a 10 speed automatic transmission. And it's interesting with this new Tundra. I'll actually uh, pull it up here. Uh, again, when this is on YouTube, people can see it. Yep. There we go. This is the uh, all-new Tundra. I think it's a pretty sharp-looking truck. I do. I think it's uh, it's kind of big. It's kind of in your face, like how trucks should be. Um, does kind of have a wimpy powertrain with it just being a twin-turbo V6, but as we know from Ford, they pioneered the twin-turbo the twin-turbo V6 with the EcoBoost, and now in a lot of ways, the EcoBoost is a better option than the V8 that you can still get in an F-150, but I'm old school. If I bought an F-150, I get a V8. I'd always get a V8 truck. But this is actually really interesting. I do think it looks really cool. Inside also looks really cool. Um, you can get a 14-inch touchscreen. Why is it not working? There we go. You can get a 14-inch touchscreen. You can also get a JBL premium sound system 
Toyota, apparently this new infotainment system is going to be really good because it's going to have uh, over-the-air software updates, which is what everyone's doing now. Um, as a fully digital instrument cluster as well. And it's it's big truck, you know, big chunky controls. I One of the things I do really like has a volume knob. The all-important volume knob is still there. And yeah, the standard size touchscreen is eight inches. That I bet would look horrible with an eight inch touchscreen. You're just gonna have this massive plastic bezel all the, all the way around it. Unless if they integrate buttons into it as well. But that looks really cool and I'm excited for it. I think, I think Toyota did a pretty good job. Um, and then if we can find the picture. So this is the TRD Pro. So like this is like the off-road version. That looks pretty sharp as well, I think. That's, uh, if it was me buying it, you know, I like the off-road stuff, but I think I'd buy like a 1794 edition, like the luxury truck. But that looks really cool. And that's going to have like Fox shocks in it. So and it's going to have a lift kit on it as well. And interestingly, the um, TRD Pro, which is like the off-road one, only comes with the iForce Max hybrid powertrain, which is interesting. Um, suspension is very interesting. It has double wishbones in the front. And in the rear, they ditched the leaf springs of the old one and went for coils. And you can also get on the higher end trims rear air suspension. And it's also the first Tundra ever to come with adaptive dampers, which is very cool. Anyways, I am really excited for this. I think it's a really sharp looking truck. I, I do think it looks really cool. Um, Toyota's finally like getting into this, taking the truck market seriously. I, mean, I know they've owned the midsize truck segment forever with the Tacoma, but I'm very, very excited for the, for the upcoming Tundra. I think it's going to look, looks really cool. They're not going to sell as much as, you know, Ram, Ford, and GM. But I, like I said, I am very excited for the all-new Tundra. So the next thing I'd like to discuss, the Porsche. So Porsche announced this week that the next generation 718 Boxster and Cayman is going electric. And same with the Macan. Now the Macan, that was... um. Uh, Porsche announced that a while ago. The Macan was going all electric. So 2024, the next gen 718 is coming out, and it's going to be an all electric car. And it's going to be a way to further differentiate the 911 from the 718. Other than engine placement, obviously, the 911 rear engine, 718 is, is mid engine. But yeah, I, I don't like that at all. Um, I think the 718 is a wonderful, wonderful car. It, I, you know, and this is kind of Porsche sacrilege right here. I think it's better balanced than the 911 just because of its engine placement. Just because a mid-engine car just is naturally better balanced than a rear-engine car. However, this is just a rumor right now. It's not been confirmed, but apparently for a little while, a uh, ice-powered 718 will be sold alongside the electric one. And same with the Macan. Now, the Macan, the electric Macan is coming out in 2023, and that's going to be an 
all new car. Like that's from the ground up all new. And they're still going to sell the current Macan alongside that for a little while. Which, you know, I Porsche knows the future is electric. They do. And it's unfortunate. I don't like, you know, everyone knows I'm not the biggest fan of electric cars. There are electric cars I like. I have, like I said, I've driven the Taycan. If you listen to my last podcast, I've driven that car. And so far, that has been like my car of the year. It truly just, I, I was shocked by how good it was. Um, it was a Porsche. It, it was first and foremost, it was a Porsche and it just happened to be electric. Would I buy one? No. But that car almost converted me to being an electric advocate. I'm not. I, I can't. But it really was good. And if, if, but how would it translate to a sports car? Who knows at this point, really? It, it's too early to tell, but I'm not looking forward to Porsche's whole electrification thing, but I am intrigued by it, if that makes any sense. And luckily, we can all rest easy. Porsche has said that the 911 will always be an ice car will always be a nice car. Now, of course, there's going to be hybrid versions coming, most likely starting with the 992 generation 911, which is the current one. The 991 got a slightly longer wheelbase to actually accommodate a hybrid powertrain, and it never happened. But now with global emissions regulations and all this crap, um, it's very likely it's going to happen with the 992. So, yeah, it will be interesting. And the other thing that I really like about Porsche is they are a big advocate for synthetic fuels. Uh, I know they're working with a bunch of companies to develop that, and that would be great if we could make synthetic fuels and make it a viable option. You can still run your cars that you've had forever, normal ice cars, and they, I believe they still pollute something, but it is drastically less than what cars pollute nowadays and nowadays cars don't really pollute hardly anything but it's still you know measurable and with uh, synthetic fuels that would go down by a lot so i really hope that takes off i'd love to see that take off but again it's still a little too early to tell and who knows what the future holds so yeah all right so it's interesting, some more stuff coming from Ford. It's been announced this week. The 2022 Ford Expedition has been given a facelift. The current Expedition went on sale in 2018. Is a 2018 model year car. Uh, in that car, which is in desperate need of, um, of a facelift when, or a redesign when, the, when it came out in 18. Because the old one was a good car, but so incredibly cheap. I mean, the inter- I mean, the whole entire door panel was the cheapest, chintziest piece of plastic you'd ever see. Just rest your, you rest your arm on the armrest, and it's just, it's hard, cheap plastic. It was truly god-awful. But this new one's very nice. Uh, and now they did uh, an update for it for 2022. They have a new Timberline edition, which is like an off-road 
you know, you get a, you know, a lift kit, you get all-terrain tires, you get, you know, better uh, approach departure and breakover angles. It's not really a true off-road car like a Jeep Wrangler or, or you know, my Land Rover Defender or, you know, the new Ford Bronco. It's not like that. But, you know, it's got more capability than a normal Expedition. So I can actually pull that up here because I do... We do have that pulled up. So this is the Timberline edition. So that they it got slimmer headlights. Obviously, you can tell it's got the big wheels, you know, the roof rack, and it's got the skid plate here with the tow hooks, and it's got some orange trim. Um, that's actually quite interesting because on the inside, it now has the 15.5-inch touchscreen from the Mach-E which does not look very good. Does not, yeah. I mean, at least it's integrated into the dashboard, but it's not just like completely tacked on, but I just don't like the way that looks. No, I've used it. I've driven the Mach-E and that uh, it's Ford Sync 4 infotainment system, truly excellent. It is a phenomenal infotainment system. But the thing that pisses me off and it it's not just Ford that does it, it's everyone. That climate controls should not be integrated into the screen. Everyone's guilty of this. Audi is guilty of this. Ford's guilty of this. Tesla is the one that started it. Mercedes is doing it now. That should, that should be illegal. That honestly, that should be illegal. Because it, it just doesn't make any sense. Like I'm driving along. You know, I want, oh, I'm a little cold. Well, just change the temperature with a dial. Oh, now I need to tap on a screen and I'm getting distracted. I can't, I'm looking away from the road. It's just not right. It's not right. It pisses me off. It pisses a lot of other people off too. And they're like, oh, we, everyone wants big screens. So we're going to, you know, we can't put, we can't have a bunch of buttons. We, we put it into the screen and it's just, it just doesn't work that way doesn't work that way but you know gloss over that it is interesting it also now gets a 22 speaker banging olufsen sound system which is interesting because the current one also has a banging olufsen sound system and it sucked i mean i've heard it. it it was it was bad i mean like the fact that that had a banging olufsen badge on it shocked me because it, yeah, I, my theory is, is it's a Ford system with a Bang & Olufsen sticker on it. And Bang & I don't, Bang & Olufsen claimed they tuned it and put all the speakers there. And I, I have a hard time believing that because it sounded like shit, well, shit. It was bad. It was really bad. It was a hell of a lot better than an unbranded Ford sound system, but for a premium sound system, the Bang & Olufsen, the Expedition that I was in was not good. Now, this one's got more speakers. Uh, it's got speakers in the headrests, the Bang & Olufsen Unleashed sound system. It's in the new F-150, and I have heard it in the new F-150, and it was a hell of a lot better. So high hopes for the Bang & Olufsen sound system in the new Expedition. And while we're talking about Ford here, uh, there is a new version of the Bronco coming. They are doing a Bronco Raptor. 
I'm very excited for that. I think that's going to be awesome. So kind of based on the F-150 Raptor, how they do that, you know, you've got obviously the bigger tires, you get the Fox shocks, the Fox racing suspension. You know, it's more of a desert runner, you know, go fast in the middle of the desert and jump in and nothing's going to happen. So I don't know um, what's, you know, what's going to happen with this uh, Bronco Raptor. My theory is that it's going to, it's obviously going to be some sort of EcoBoost engine. I would not be surprised if it's a three liter EcoBoost that's in like the Ford Explorer ST. That's like 400 horsepower. It's also in the Lincoln, um, it's in the Lincoln Aviator SUV as well. So that's my guess. It's probably going to be the um, three liter EcoBoost. And you know, that engine, I think, would suit that car quite well. Um, but yeah, that's gonna be that's gonna be really cool. The upcoming Bronco Raptor. I'm I'm definitely looking forward to that. Hopefully soon I can get my hands on a Bronco to review. Because based on everyone that I've talked to that has driven one, it's like a Jeep Wrangler, but so much more refined on the road and just as good off road. Uh, it's nowhere near as refined as a Defender but it's kind of not supposed to be, so it doesn't really matter. It's more of a Wrangler competitor than a Defender competitor. Even though they all compete together, the Defender's more on the luxury high-end side. There's the Bronco and the Wrangler, more like true hardcore off-road car. So, yeah, um, the last thing I'd like to discuss is the all-new Honda Civic hatchback. Honda of North America has released pricing on the new Civic hatchback. So it starts at $23,915, which is a pretty good, I mean, that's a very good price. Um, you know, under 25 grand, it becomes very well equipped. There's different trim levels you can get. You can get like the top of the line is like a sport touring model, comes with a 12 speaker Bose audio system and nine inch touchscreen. You can even get the top of the line trim level with a six speed manual. And the Civic hatch is like, the sportier, more practical version of the Civic Sedan. So the Civic Sedan is kind of more comfort-oriented, whereas the hatch is more sport-oriented. So you can get a manual on the hatch. Um, and it's really cool that they offer it, the manual on the high and on the top trim level. Because that gets you, that's all the features you want, and you can still get a manual. And the thing is with the Civic Hatch, you want the manual because you don't want to be dealing with a CVT that's your other transmission option so uh, engines there's a two liter uh inline four-cylinder naturally aspirated engine makes 158 horsepower and 138 pound-feet of torque it's 187 newton meters or you can upgrade to the 1.5 liter turbo that's 180 horsepower and 177 pound-feet of torque or 240 newton meters uh it's a good engine i've driven many civics with that engine i've not driven the new one yet but I've driven the old one with that engine and it was a good engine. It always had power. Uh, it's a small car, so it's, it's not huge. You don't need a ton of power, but it was very economical. Granted, all, I basically every single one of them I've driven had the CVT and it was for a CVT a lot better than most, but it was still dreadful. I still hated it. It's still a CVT. It's still shit. But yeah, and the other thing is, so, of course, the hatchback, it has a lot more cargo space, a lot more cargo space than, than the sedan. 
So the sedan has 14.8 cubic feet of cargo space. That's 419 liters. The hatchback has 24.5 cubic feet, and that's 694 liters of cargo space. And also, this is interesting. This is the first Civic hatchback sold here in the U.S. that is built here in the U.S. It's built in Greensburg, Indiana, one state over from me. And the other thing is, because the last generation Civic that was sold here, that was built in Swindon, England, in the U.K., so every Civic hatch and Civic Type R that was sold here was built in the UK because um, like Brexit and other stuff, they, they decided well, we'll just build it here in the US because it'll, it'll be cheaper. And of course, Honda is a car company, but they are also in the business of making money. And if it's cheaper to produce somewhere else, that's where you're going to go. So with that, that will be the end of today's podcast. Thank you all so much for tuning in. Uh, don't forget to uh, follow me on YouTube, subscribe to my YouTube channel, follow me on Instagram at Cincy Rovers and also at Autos and Airwaves. Um, you can find me there. And yeah, so thank you all so much for tuning in and I will see you all in the next episode. Cheers. <laughs>